November 23rd, 2023. We're in Masechet Bava and Daf He Amud Aleph. If you go two lines from the bottom, we'll pick up from there. It says, Velo bahen ruach hayim. If you recall the Mishnah, after listing the Arba'a Avot Nizikin, concluded by pointing out that neither one of or none of the Avot is similar to the other to the extent that you can make a Binyan Av, derive the laws of one to the other. In other words, that they'd be liable for damages. You couldn't say that Mav'eh will teach Shor, nor that Shor would teach Mav'eh, concept known as Binyan Av. And then it continued and said, Velo Zevazeh, both Mav'eh and Shor Together, they have a life source. And the Gemara wonders and questions, what did that mean? Why was the Mishnah necessarily telling us that they have a common denominator? What did the Mishnah mean in telling us those words? It's true, both Mav'eh and Shor, depending on how you define them, but irrespective of the particulars, ultimately speaking, both according to Rav and according to Shemuel, that Mav'eh is either Shin or Adam, and Shor is either Regel or Regel, Keren and Shin. And all those details aside, the common denominator is Sheesh Ben Ruach Hayim. They do have a life source. That was necessary to mention in the Mishnah. Do we learn some law from that? Or it's just some sort of description of the rabbis? Of course we're learning a law. Says the Gemara, This is what it meant to say in the Mishnah. Perhaps the Torah should have uh, just mentioned two of the avot. I understand if you mentioned just one of the four primary categories, you couldn't and wouldn't derive all the others. Each one of them has a severity that the other doesn't. But perhaps what you could have done, God, in the Torah, is to mention two. And therefore, by doing so, teti idach minayu. Teti means to bring, idach means the other, minayu means from them. In other words, if I want to derive a law, and I'm looking at one case as my paradigm, as my example, I'll say, well, that case is unique because I can't, I can't derive the aspects I see in that case to this case because that case is different. But what if I give you two different cases? Two different avot. They don't have a common denominator per se. The common denominator is that they both are hayav benezek. They're both obligated to compensate after damaging. Okay, and what sort of character traits do they have? Well, this one is hamur. It's severe because it gets a benefit when it damages. And that one's severe because it's very typical. Well, they don't share those, uh, those humrot. It can't be that those severities are, quote, the reason that they're obligated because after all, I see another one which doesn't have that severity. And as a result, you should be able to say, the way I like to say it is you cancel out those humrot, the severities of each are proven to be not the reason why they're obligated. After all, if the shen might have uh, when it eats, when it rubs against the wall, well, it might have benefit, but Keren doesn't have that. And Keren might have kavanatol lahazik, has intention to damage, but Shen doesn't have that. And the fact that the Torah might mention both of those would teach us that's not the reason why they're obligated. I can, ter- I can learn other avot from it. As the Mishnah says, you can't do that uh, because hadar amar That's what the Mishnah then went on to say. You couldn't really pull this off because even if 
for example, and the Gemara will in a moment backtrack on this, but even if the Torah were to just mention Mav'eh, define accordingly, we spend time on that, and Shor, define accordingly, there's still a common denominator. What's the common denominator between Shor and Mav'eh? They have a life source. You might have therefore said, you should say, only when there's a life source in terms of what's damaging, am I liable? Shore and mav'eh. I couldn't derive from that fire. I couldn't understand from that bor, the pit, the bor bereshut rabim that I'd be hayab as well. That's again the whole concept that we're building and pulling down right now is a concept known as a binyan av mishene ketubim. Effectively, we're trying to build, quote unquote, a father, a principle from two separate cases. Now, if you'd be able to pull that off, you'd say, the Torah then can save words. It doesn't need to give me all the imagery and descriptions of bor, of pits, and of hev'er, of fire. The Torah could have just mentioned whatever shore is and mav'e, have those in tandem teach to other cases. That's what the Mishnah told us you can't do. It won't work because ultimately speaking, there is a common, unique severity, and that is they have a life source. Anything that doesn't have a life source, you might and would therefore say you're not liable for damages. The Gemara then says, interestingly though, Amar Rava v'kulehu. Rava says, however, all of them, meaning all of the avot that we found in the Mishnah, kishadit bor benayhu atya kulhu b'mahasad. That's an amazing statement. Rava says, however, if you were to take any of the avot, and combine them with bor, in other words, let the Torah teach just one of the avot, together with bor, two together, you could then pull off a binyan av mishenek ketubim to everything else. Of course, the question will be, when you conclude all this conversation, so then why does the Torah quote-unquote waste its words? If this really will work out, again, everything I've been describing, if it will work out, that the Torah could have just said bor, together with any of the other, any of the other three, you'd learn the other two. Rashi will we'll read a little bit of it, will fill out exactly how all that wor- logic works out. Uh, but interestingly, that the Gemara will then, again, at the end of the Amud, then say, well then, or in the middle of the Amud, then, then why did the Torah mention it? After all, the whole idea of binyana mishnek tuvim, binyana is, that's why the Torah doesn't need to mention something. If you don't have a reason to, ne- to, to negate the logic over here, then why does the Torah, quote-unquote, seemingly waste its words? Okay, so let's take a look on the left-hand side at Rashi before we continue in the Gemara. First, at the top of the Amud, lichtov rahmana. Right, so that was what uh, the Gemara, uh, for our purposes today, began with explaining those words. The Torah could have mentioned two. We said bor and mav'eh, that's what the Mishnah was telling us, and maybe I derive from it others. So Rashi, at the very least, more than my hypothetical, he spells it out a little bit more matter-of-factly. He says, Rashi, shor umav'eh. Viteti eshminayu. Let's have the Torah. So the Mishnah was basically telling us, don't do so. Torah could have just mentioned shor, and mav'eh, and teti, and learn from it without mention explicitly in the Torah, ish, that fire as well, and all the derivatives are obligated. Diki parachta, because what you would initially do is, you would ask a question. You'd say, malakerin shikin kavanato lahazik. You'd say, well, I want to learn from kerin. The Torah says, if my ox gores another, well, then I'm liable. Good. 
That's my paradigm. I'll learn from that anytime I damage. I'm obligated. No, no, no. It's, no, no. It has intention when the animal gores another to damage. In any case where there's no intention, maybe you're not obligated. That's a severity which is unique. You would turn, according to the opinion of Shemuel, to Mav'eh. Mav'eh is Shem. When an animal bends down and eats from the ground, it doesn't have intention to damage. What's its intention? To benefit. So you'd say, the reason why Keren, the goring, is obligated can't be because it has intention to damage. You want my proof? Because Shem, Mav'eh, when it's just eating, when it's just rubbing against the wall, it has no intention to damage, it's also obligated. So no, wait a second. You're using shen. You're using the benefit case. Benefit. That's why you're obligated. Of course, then you'll turn back and say, wait a second. Does kerin when the animal gores another? Does that have hanaa? Well, that doesn't have hanaa. Do you understand? That's Rashi is just painting for us exactly the back and forth you would do over here. You would first say, let's learn from kerin. You say, no, kerin. The goring is not good enough. It has intention to, to damage. Uh, so oh, you're right. So shen. Oh, shen has a uh, benefit for damage. Each of those are the severities. But each of those severities that each one holds, the other one does it, you would say, keren And on the flip side, says Rashi, if it's according to Rav, and this is the Gemara and Daf Gimal, Shemuel is the opinion who maintains that Shin is the definition of Mav'eh. According to Rav, the definition of Mav'eh is Adam. Ule Rav da'aman Mav'eze Adam, you would go like this, Teti when you ask about shore that has intention to damage tomar be'esh, so tomar be'esh, you can't in turn derive to fire adam yochiach. Shafilo en kavanatol hazik hayav kedetanan adam uad ben er ben yashin. And so you'll initially start off and you'll say shore. We're defining as kerin. Uh, shore has intention to damage. You can't derive from that fire as well. All right, human beings will prove. Uh, why will human beings prove? Because a human being who damages, even when they don't have intention to damage, they're liable. The Mishnah tells us that later on. Uh, so then you'll say, no, but a human being, no, but human beings, you see, human beings are treated more severely by the Torah. How so? Human beings, when they damage another, need to pay not only the damage, but what we call the boshit, the pain and the medical bills and the work missed and the embarrassments. Oh, that's, that's a severity. Of course, then you'll turn back and say, That's the way you would pull off. That's the way you would articulate and explain a binyan av mishineh ketubim. But you wouldn't be able to do that. The reason you can't do that is because they're both... Yeah, but the, the point of it, all different would be great. We want them all to be different, right? But two of them have a common denominator. You wouldn't be able to find two that are so different to the extent that they don't share any commonality other than being hayav, unless you bring bor into the mix. Bor is so, and fancy, fancy English, so, so generous, which means it's so unique in this respect that as long as you have bor together with any of the others, it won't share any common aspects with the other. You'll be able to use bor in conjunction. Any of those descriptions, the life source and the fourth, all of them, bor doesn't hold any of them. And as a result, you'll say bor plus will 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 derive for us any of the nizikin. That's what we have over here. Hadar Amar Rashi Hadam Itarte Namela Atya. Afterwards, the Mishnah told us you can't learn one from two. 
בעניינה משני כתובים עונה אורק דלורי איקרן ומבה שיש בהן רוח חיים כערי האש. Here. וכולהו כי שדית בור בעינייהו עטיה. I don't plan on, although it's nice and important to read the whole Rashi, I don't plan on doing so, but I'm going to read the beginning of it and you'll be able to fill in, based on your knowledge, based on your reading, the entirety of it. But Rashi will start, will, will for our purposes, start us in how this works. If the Torah were to mention, were to list and to explicitly state, bor, you're obligated, you have an inanimate, not movable, something out in the public area which damages another, and you couple that with had mehanach, any of the other three, atya kulhu mehahu. You would be able to learn them all from that. Mehahu umeidach betzad hashaveh. For example, let's read at the very least the first one. Di'iketiv bor vekerim. Maybe the Torah could mention the typical case of an ox which gores another, number one. Number two, a bor, a pit which is out in the public area. You'd, for example, be able to learn shen, which is where the animal is benefiting, from those two. How so? Well, on the one hand, I have bor, uh, which is not, it's not typical and it doesn't, it's not possible for it to go and damage, it's set in place. Wouldn't you say that if an animal which does move and does damage, that's what animals do, they do eat, of course you're going to be obligated. If my pit... My pit? You fell into my pit? Not you. Your, your item fell into my pit? Uh, I'm liable? Seriously? It was in place. You should have known better. No, no but if Calvahomer, if the animal's moving around, you're obligated. No, the severity of bore is that the very beginning of the digging of the pit is lenezek. By definition, when you dig a pit, you're making something which is dangerous. You're bringing forth something which is damaging. Uh, that's a severity in bor. Uh, would you say the same thing about an animal which gores? Not really. The beginning of an animal which gores is not to damage, it's to be an, an animal. Tomar b'shen, keren yochiach, malakeren, sheken kavanato lahazik, bor yochiach, vechazar adin hasad ha-shaveh, shebahen, shedakan lahazik, umamoncha vechule, afani avi shen, and so forth. So in other words, what Rashi says, uh, explains for us, and it's really what the Gemara is alluding to is, as long as you follow through the severities of each of these, you'll understand that bor will offset all. Bor has its own severity, but that severity is also unique and only to Bor. What's that? Shetchilat asiato lenezek. Its beginning state is for damage, and that in and of itself makes it more severe. But ultimately speaking, the statement in turn of Ravan the Gemara is a surprising one. Because when we read the Mishnah, our understanding was, you'll never be able to pull off a binyana mishneh kitubim. That's why the Torah needed to mention it. Rava's words over here is, it's not so. Logically speaking, if we follow the logic of the Torah through, in each of these cases through, as long as, back in the Gemara, Amar Rava, two lines from the top, vikulehu, all of these, meaning all the avot, kishadit bor benayu, when you place bor, quote-unquote, in between them, atya kulhu b'mahatzad, we can learn them all with, binyanav is alternatively known as mahatzad. Mahatzad literally means what's the side, what's the commonality. What you'll be able to do is to say bor plus x, what is common and what's different. Well, everything's different except for, it's your property, 
It's your responsibility to safeguard it and you're obligated in damaging. So too, anything which is your property, your responsibility to safeguard, you will be obligated in damage. It starts off, you, you, you need to do that, you need to do that. You, it could either be it's the same, or it's even better when if this, then certainly that, no, but that one has something else. You need a lot, you need a compelling logic, is the point. So, so then so, what happens to Ain't on Shin even though it's not capital punishment, it could be the short of the short of the This is a very important question. I'm going to not fully address it now, but I'm going to tell you that Tosafot on the Bet Amud Aleph asks this question. Tosafot and Beta Mudalif is bothered by what about the general principle of en onshin min hadin with regards to what seems to be going on over here with regards to uh, in, in the context of logic. If you look at Tosafot, I'm, I'm, I'm really just referencing, I'm not reading it now uh, for reasons that it's not, not appropriate for us to do right now, but Tosafot, the, fifth, uh, the fourth one and Beta Mudalif, Dibura Matril, the Lozeva Zeshiesh by Nrua Hayim Kahareha Esh. Right, that's in the middle of our binyana mishinek ketubim. You see that? So Tosafot at four lines from the bottom of it, toward the end of the line. Do you see those words? Uksat kashe, right next to that little Batman sign of Rabbi Akiva Eger. Amandaf beta mudalf, just cross-referencing Tosafot. The fourth one, dibura matchil velo, and four lines before it finishes, uksat kashe. You see those words? Demashma deonshin mamon minhadin. So that's, that's what they're already asking, right? I'm not addressing right now. It's an important question which we'll have to return to. But your question, Jesse, has kvardashu rabim. The fact that we're dealing now. Jesse already said maybe. Maybe the principle is we only... Let me backtrack. Jesse's question is, en onshin minadin is a principle repeated in the Gemara in many contexts. And the concept is you don't punish, those are the words mean minhadin. Din means logic, based on logic. You don't use logic in order to bring forth punishment. There's a tremendous uh, dispute amongst the Rishonim and Ahronim. Why not? Why can't I use life? I have a sound logic. The classic example is Maharsha's interpretation, Masech and Makot. Maharsha says, you're using your logic. It might be a beautiful logic. It might be the greatest Tamit Hacham, but you're going to punish based on that, uh, not so far. But generally speaking, the answer to Jesse is we assume in Onshin Min Hadin, that principle of not punishing based on logic if we, is with regards to Mitat Beitin. It's when we're putting to death. Over here, we're not putting to death, but we're making financial liabilities. But, as I'm cross-referencing, as I'm referencing Tosafot, his question is still a strong question. It's not so clear. The concept of we don't punish based on logic might apply in other circumstances, which will be a question over here, but not at the moment. But uh, first, let's start with the, the question as, as a proper question and, and the background appropriately. Okay, the Gemara, back to our Gemara here on Dafea Mudbeto, says the Gemara, uh, uh, one more time. Lebar means except for. The word bar we kind of know in Aramaic because we say bariata or beraita. Bar means outside. It means over here except for. Bariata, as I've mentioned more than once, Maran writes in his Kalaleha Talmud, Rabbi Yosef Karo, that it should be called a bariata because the idea of beraitot is that they're left out of the Mishnayot. So it's, it's a teaching which was left out of the Mishnah. Okay, regardless, says the Gemara, Lebar except for Keren. K 
keren, the goring, won't be able to be derived from one of the other avot and shor. In other words, the suggestion of Rava initially is, I'm very audacious, I'm very courageous, telling you that you do bor plus another and you learn all the others, except for keren. You can't put shor and bor together? You can't put shor and well, you could put shit, you right? could do all those, you can't get keren, the specific of keren, you so could get shin, you could get very you could do everything except for one, right? Why not? Hang tight, hang tight. And then the Gemara will say, maybe you can. You could still do a lot of, a lot of damage. You could still cross out a lot of lines from the Torah, so to speak. You know? I, he's in the middle of his statement. You know, I come in, I want to be strong. I want to say to you, I'm going to tell you something that will change everyone's life in this room, except for one or two. Okay, it was still a strong statement. Sure, and one other are going to give us all the nuances that are. Bore and one other. Bore and one other are going to give us all the Yeah, I'm telling you it will. It will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, we, we need to even map it out on a piece of paper and do it fully for you. Except for Kerem, we think. And then the Gemara is going to say, maybe even Kerem. Here says the Gemara, why not Kerem? You see, what happens with Bor, the pit, is that I said six times. That bor is so so generous, it's so unique that it doesn't share any other aspects of the others to the extent that you put it with another, you could derive anything from it. You won't say, though, they share a commonality. There is a commonality that Kidin does not have. Kidin starts off paying half damage. That's what we call shortam, right? Doesn't pay full damage until after the first three times. That's a real leniency. All the others, Bor and the other short stuff, Shein and Regil and Hiv'ir and Mat, all of the others start with paying full damage immediately. So you'll say any type of Limud, any type of Binyanab you're going to try to make in order to get me to uh, Kirin, I'll respond to each one. Oh, wait a second, you can't do that. Those are more severe. What do you mean those are more severe? Those start with full severity. Kirin, you're not going to start with full severity. No, that's the statement. The statement is Kirin seems to be by nature, our knowledge of it after the fact, or our knowledge of it that it's going to be paying half damage, it's less severe, it's more lenient. You wouldn't be able to, says the Gemara, but maybe not. Says the Gemara, however, according to the opinion who maintains that Keren is not less severe, but perhaps more severe than the others with respect to Kavanatol Hazik. It, not like any of the others, has intention to damage. Uh, well, that's a claim you can make. So, Bora doesn't have any kavana. Bora is inanimate. Kavanatola hazik means its intention is to damage. Not that kola hazik. Kavanatola hazik. Its intention is to damage. You have by Kerin and Kerin only. Then, says the Gemara, Rava, we redeemed you even for Alan Mala. According to that, it's literally all of them. Whose opinion, says the Gemara, Uleman de Amar, and according to the opinion. It's as if we're supposed to know who this opinion is. Uh, what do you mean? Did we ever talk about this? Will we ever talk about it? Interestingly, Rashi, uncharacteristically, in the last of these medium lines, right? Rashi has those narrow lines, medium lines, and then the wide lines. The last of it says, Uleman de Amar writes Rashi, Lo itparesh hecha. She says, I never was explicit where. I don't know who this Manda Amar is. Who's this opinion that Gemara is referring to? Gemara says, and according to the opinion that Keren Adderaba means the opposite is true, is more severe, well then you could pull this thing off. 
Who's that opinion? So, so, I'm not really certain. Tosafot, alternatively, on the right-hand side, Dibura Matchil Shekin Mu'adin suggests three lines from the bottom. It says, oh, sorry, um, uh, let's, let's go uh, two lines into it. Ela, Mefaresh Rabbeinu Tam, Dibura Matchil Shekin Mu'adin suggests three lines from the bottom. It says, oh, sorry, um, uh, let's, let's go uh, two lines into it. Ela, Mefaresh Rabbeinu Tam, Dibura Matchil Shekin Mu'adin suggests three lines from the bottom. It says, oh, sorry, um, uh, let's go uh, two lines into it. Ela, Mefaresh Rabbeinu Tam, Dibura Matchil Shekin Mu'adin uh, what Tosafot here is referring to is a Gemara and Vav. A little confusing, but not too much. It goes like this. With regards to the Shortam, the animal which is goring and damaging. So we said it pays half, uh, half, half uh, damage, half the amount. Palganiska, peleg means half, niska means damage, palganiska. How do you qualify, how do you, how do you characterize that half? Is the half characterized as what we call kenas? Is that penalty? No, it's really, you shouldn't be liable. And I know Alan has told me throughout, it doesn't make sense, you shouldn't be liable. No, the argument is, you shouldn't be liable, because the words Tosafot's quoting from the Gemara, they're setam shivarim beheskat shimur kayame. Our general assumption could and should be that a normal ox is beheskat, we can assume it's beheskat shimur. It's safeguarded already. You don't need to put in a lot of effort. Unless it's out of its mind, unless it's deranged, and that'll take some time in order to establish that. So that's one angle. One angle is that stam shivarim, that the normal standard ox it's It's as if it's already safeguarded. You don't have an added responsibility. Then why am I paying anything? Kenas penalty. That's one angle. That's what the Gemara was working with until now. What the Gemara was working with when it said that Keren might be less severe because it starts off by paying half. It's dealing with the opinion who maintains that Palgan Nizka half payment is considered kenasa. Why? Stam shivarim b'chizkat shimur. The other opinion over there, however, interestingly maintains that stam shivarim lab b'chizkat shimur kayame. The standard ox is not considered safeguarded. That contradicts other things, though. It I, I got you. I, you're, you're spot on as always, Alan. And in turn, you're paying half, but you're not paying half as a penalty. You're paying it as a full amount. Hold your thought for a second. Says Tosafot, that's this Mande Amar that the Gemara quoted. The Gemara says, well, Rava works according to everything but Keren. Why is Keren different? Because you're paying half. Oh, says Tosafot, that's if you maintain that Keren is a Kenas that you're not expected to uh, be watching it and it's more lenient. Alternatively, it says the Gemara Al-Umanda, that's according to the opinion that Palganizka is considered Mamona, is considered a full payment. Now that's what Tosafot's suggestion in our Gemara, based on that Gemara over there is, I'm just, before I address Alan's point in, in a second, one more time, says Tosafot, Rabbeinu Tam's interpretation, contrary to Rashi, is, when we say that the other avot, the other primary categories are mu'ad, they're considered safe, uh, forewarned from the onset, and you pay full amount, that means that it's normal for them to damage. You should have been more careful because you should have known. They're a damaging item. That's not so when we talk about goring. That's not so when we talk about goring. 
That's this Gemara. It's quoting from Gemara and Daftet Vav. What about according to the other opinion, the opposite? That Keren Goring is more severe. These are all the words that we've just. And Tosafot takes one jab at the end of Tosafot as they're walking away. And not like Rashi said, well, we don't know where this opinion now, we do know where that opinion is what what does stand though is alan's alan's question alan says well listen i understand if you tell me it's considered a penalty that's why i'm paying half if it's not considered a penalty and i was supposed to realize that it's not safe to have the animal that it will be goring then why am i paying half i should be paying full that's a very important question that what's generally quoted in this context is, if I'm not mistaken, Rashi's commentary to Masechi Kitubot and Daf Mem Aleph. Over there, Rashi tries to toe the line. Rashi tries to explain that on the one hand, you're supposed to realize that the animal is a little bit dangerous. On the other hand, goring is still not a normal way of damaging. It's something in the middle. On the one hand, it's not fully safeguarded. On the other hand, it's not a heze kamatsui. It's not a normal, if I remember his lashon properly, it's not a normal damaging. It's for that reason, potentially, that Rashid Lishitato, according to his own opinion over here, won't maintain that we're going according to the opinion on that line, Palganis Kamamuna, that the half payment is considered not a penalty, but an actual amount, because even if we maintain that way, like Alan said, so then why are you paying half? Clearly, it's still more lenient. Clearly, it's still not a regular damage. Okay, either way you go on this, what the Gemara has then uh, set forth for us is that according to Rava, either all of the Avot, or all of the Avot minus Keren, those are his words, um, will and can be learned from what we call Binyan Av Mishneh Ketubim, utilizing Bor plus another one. The question in turn begs itself right in the middle of the Amud over here, as I told you from the beginning, question mark. Rather than, why did the Torah, Rahmana, Torah is referred to as Rahamim, the merciful words and, and essence of God, Katvinu, why did the Torah write all this? If you told me I could and should, and the Torah, God expected us to be thinking and realizing halakha based on logic, well then why do we need these all listed in the Torah? You could have learned it without it all being listed. Torah doesn't tell you when to blow your nose and how to walk on the street. It expects you to understand how to do that. It expected you to learn the Torah properly and to conduct your life and your legal workings accordingly. Answers the Gemara, lehilchotehen. The only reason the Torah mentions all of the avot individually is to tell you each of their unique quirks and aspects. In other words, the principle of the matter, that you're liable for damage and compensation in each of these cases was not necessary to be mentioned. The particulars, the specifics, the, the nuances, well, your vocabulary is out of control, the nuances, that's why the Torah mentions them. That, what are the nuances we're referring to? What are those specifics? Let's go through it. Easy at this point. If most, if not all, these concepts we're familiar with, but the Hidush over here is, that's the only reason it needed to be mentioned in the Torah. The general principle, we would have known. The specifics, oh, what are the specifics? Well, let's see. Number one, Keren lehalek ben tamal 
That one I think we understand. The reason the Torah needed to mention explicitly Kirin, you have either the answer that Kirin couldn't have been derived because it's less severe. Okay, but if I'm not going that way, then why does it need to be explicitly mentioned to tell you that there's a difference between the first three times and the fourth time? Whereas all the other circumstances, you pay full amount from the beginning, and Kirin, you pay half initially, that's a Hidush. That was a necessary mention in the Torah for that if nothing else. Shin v'regel. What about the beneficial damage when it's eating or rubbing? Regel, the trampling. Lipotran v'rshutarabim. It's to tell you that they are exempt from paying if they're in a public area. That's a very interesting and important nuance. Shin and regel are... Uh, well, who said you would be able to derive one from the other? It ha- the reason the Gemara mentions them in tandem is like Rashi says, it's the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Ubi'ed bistayahed. Vishilahet be'iro, Ubi'ed bistayahed. Vishilah is regal, Ubi'ed is shin. Bistayahed means in another person's yard. It means it's not Bershut Arabim. Apparently, you wouldn't be able to derive one from the other, which makes sense. You'd say on each one of them, Regal is more typical, Shen is Hana'ala Haziko, you wouldn't be able to derive one from the other. They're mentioned then in the Torah to teach you the same law in each of them, and what is that? That they're only liable when they enter into your yard. If you brought your, if you left your, your car in Rishut Arabim, that's, that's the best example, and my dog comes up to it and scratches its back on it and damages your car, I don't know about uh, American law, but I do know, according to Torah law, I'm not liable. I'm not liable. It was in Rishut Arabim. My animal can go up and do that. Ah, maybe I should be safeguarding it anyway, but I'm not liable to pay for it. I'm only... Right, doesn't that alone, doesn't that situation alone throw everything out the window? Because location throws it out right there. It doesn't throw out. If anything, that's a leniency. Don't forget, the only problems we were going to have in Binyanav is it says that over there, right? something that's more stringent, so maybe that's the only reason why you're obligated over there as opposed to others. These are all, this is a leniency. If anything, it'll, it'll help the cause. You understand what I'm saying? To, yeah, it'll help the cause of clustering them and, and, and learning things from them. But this is a particularity that the Torah mentions about being exempt when it's done tarabim. Bor, what about pit? Uh, in a pit, in a, in a, a public stumbling uh, item, what's the particularity that you don't have by others? And again, a leniency. Liftorbo et hakelim. The Torah says that if you have a bor, that your kore, that you dug, and fell into it, shor o hamor. The Torah gives exact, exact examples for it. It says, if an animal, an ox, or a donkey falls into it, then ba'al habor, the owner of the pit, has to pay for it. What about if, uh, I don't know, my, uh, my jug uh, rolled into it and broke? What if a utensil falls into it? What if a car or a cart falls into it? Are you liable in that situation? The understanding right now is liftor, yepatur. The fact that the Torah says shor hamor is to tell you an animal and nothing else. Now, not everyone agrees with that. Says Gemara Right, so the Gemara later on will see his opinion. Rabbi Huda is Doresh the Pesukim differently. His understanding is Shoro Hamor does not exclude utensils. Utensils also, if they fall into or get damaged by a boar, are liable. What is, um, why did the Torah mention boar? To tell you that if a human being falls into the pit, 
the owner of the pit is not liable. What's the logic? You'll say to me, not so hard. The person should have known better. The person who dug the pit says, a human being shouldn't be falling into this. He should see it. He should know. Lastly, what about Adam? Uh, why is Adam written in the Torah? Uh, shouldn't I be able to know that? Which I do. It's to tell you that there's something unique about Adam, not lastly, second to last. Um, Adam has to pay not only Nezik, but this unique aspect is the four other things. Things, the tsar, the shevet, the ripuy, and the bullshit, the fact that for the pain and for the loss of work and, uh, and embarrassment and medical bills, I have to pay that if I'm the one who damages. Lastly, ish, liftorbo etatamun. Ish, when it comes to fire which damages, the dirashav, the gemara later on, is that the pasuk says that the fire burns etakama, ohakama. Kama is something which is standing stationary out in the field. It sounds like it's out in the open. The understanding in turn is only things that are out in the open are you liable if your fire burns them. Not something that's hidden. Something that's hidden is called tamun. Tamun means it's hidden away. Uh, what about according to Rabbi who again doesn't exempt you if the item is hidden? Even if it's hidden, you're, uh, you're, you're in violation of ish. You have to pay in such a circumstance. So why did the Torah mention ish? There's nothing particular and specific about it. Answers the Gemara le'atuyeh at the top of the Vava Mudalf to include lichecha niro v'sichsecha avanav. Loosely translated as if your fire scorched the uh, plowings of a person, I'll define in a second, or it's singed, I think is the way you say it, his stones, which means to say that's what you call, Rashi says, Ehezek she'eno, what's the Lashon of Rashi? It's not a normal, it's, it's not a normal damage. What's Rashi's uh, Lashon on this? It's not the normal uh, way in which fire will damage. You say fire damages, fire destroys. Fire doesn't singe, fire doesn't scorch. What does it mean singe and scorch? Well, it scorches the ground. The ground isn't altogether ruined, but the ground now is not as plantable. It's, uh, it's gonna take time to regenerate and to fix the land and to fertilize it, etc. That's one case. You would have said, maybe I'm uh, not liable. No, you're even liable over there. And it, it went to the, my, my gate at the entrance of my home and it uh, singed the, the stones. It didn't destroy them. They're stones, they're not getting burnt. But nonetheless, they're damaged. That's why the Torah mentions Ish as well to tell you even in the irregular, the inorraui, the irregular circumstances, when it comes to Ish, as opposed to those other nezikin, you're nonetheless going to be obligated and liable for compensation. In short, what the Gemara did for us today is number one, it filled out the Binyana Mishnei Ketubim, which Ravah told us can be done if you do it in conjunction with Bor. It then explained to us, well, that, that being the case, why did the Torah need to mention each of these avot? It's to teach us Hilchotehim, their unique and particular and, uh, and nuanced aspects in each of those uh, which are not shared by the other. Baruch Adonai Amen